I didn't hear any vehicles in your background this time around, <laughs> which, I don't know, worries me. I don't know about that, but it is fireworks uh, night was yesterday here, and people are still setting up fireworks, and that's going to be, like, impossible to edit out. So if uh, there's loud noise in the background of this, I just simply apologize. <laughs> it's fine. It's like, you know, like the celebration. We can say that, oh, yeah, we, we got some fireworks for the occasion. At least it wasn't yesterday. I was hanging out with some other friends yesterday, um, and all of us are in the UK, and it was just, like, literally fireworks going off on all of our mics 24-7. <laughs> no. But, yes, we are celebrating because we have reached the end of Ace Study Investigations 2 and Ace Study Investigations, the duology in general. Yay. I think My you're pretty pleased about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, after this, I'm like, I don't know. If the Apollo trilogy breaks my heart, I wouldn't be surprised, sadly, because I'm, I don't know. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh yeah, all of this is gonna like, we can just like put this in the past and it's gonna be fine. <laughs> and the structures are gonna be great. I don't know. Like the first time you you come to this podcast and tell me, oh yeah, the next case, we should split it because it's like 14 hours long. I don't know what's going to happen to to my, what's left of my sanity, (laughs) but uh, we'll see. We'll see when we get to that. I'm going to cut in how enthusiastic you were at the end of the trilogy, the last episode we did on the trilogy, as a comparison for how broken you've become by the investigation (laughs) psychology. So much happened uh, since we started, like, recording the podcast. And it's not like I didn't have faith that we were going to get, like, to the end of the trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but to actually be there uh and to be like yeah it's the end of the trilogy it's the end of this game but also like the trilogy and the case and the characters and blah 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 but also like the end of like three main seasons of the podcast yeah and it's like yeah i mean a lot of the themes a lot of the like characters i'm sure are gonna be coming back and there's gonna be like new stories and whatever the new games but i don't know it's, it's still like important and i think like what i'm wondering now is like uh whether or not like there's gonna be like Maybe not, like, another trilogy, but, like, another, like, set of games that are gonna, like, replicate what I felt playing this one or not. Yeah, I'm a changed person. (laughs) Yeah, this case was a lot. Mm. For me, the first... Let me look, because I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, I haven't read your notes at all, so... It's pretty far down in my notes. Okay, yeah. So at one point I wrote, the problem is I'm like, hell yeah, this is going really well, but I'm less than halfway in and I know there's bullshit down the line. (laughs) And it was about half. Basically, the first half of the case, I was like, this slaps. And it's basically what I was saying last week about how, like, it feels like they should just wrap up what was set up in case four. Like, they could have just made case four a little bit longer, wrapped all that stuff up, and then, like, obviously... They would have had to go back and edit out some plot lines, but I still think it would have made it stronger overall. And that first half where they're just wrapping up stuff from basically the last case really was so good to me. And then the second half was just like, what if we introduced a whole other story that doesn't land (laughs) and is really badly paced? Well, that's Ace Attorney Investigations for you, so I kind of think it works thematically, but not necessarily in a good way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like... The only thing that was, like, pending or, like, missing from, like, the the last, the ending of, like, the first half was, like, the cheery music at the end of, like, a game. Uh, Because (laughs) it really felt like that. And it was like, oh, wait, but 
there are still some things that remain unsolved. And I think they do that twice. <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, buddy, okay, can can you like fucking wrap this up already? Like, we know there's like another person, and then that person shows up and he's like, no, but it wasn't me. And I'm like, okay, and who f- fucking was it, then? Please. Yeah. So the very opening of the case starts with the murder of the president from way back in episode one, which is interesting-ish. Like, as in, it should be interesting, but it just made me so nervous about what they were going to be introducing to the rest of this. But it's kind of interesting because it brings back in all of the plot lines about Lang, uh, which were never brought up again from Investigations 1. And, you know, it brings back in the stuff about how the president was like, like, through this whole case, they've been like trying to cover up that the president, the president's assassination wasn't real. And then they never go back to that and to be honest they don't go back to it in this case either which is very funny yeah. but it kind of at first it at least makes sense to have the president like back in the story even though he is dead and uh, they also introduce John Marsh who is a little kid who has been in the last two cases which I think was kind of funny foreshadowing but I also through the rest of this thought like it would have been better if he had been in the game for longer because they try and do emotional beats with him that don't land because we've only known him for like two hours yeah because even after this introduction, like like I said, the first half of the case is basically unrelated to all of this, and then it comes back later. And so even within this case, like, John Marsh doesn't get a lot of attention paid to him. I mean, he does, as I said, in the second half, but, like, yeah, it's, like, not all of... It's not, like... I don't know, it really felt like this whole case was split in two, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, two... I don't want to say completely different, but there's, like, two main stories going on. Yeah, it's kind of, like, weird. Yeah. I don't think the solution would have been to like have yet another full case. Like your suggestion like works better, I think. But yeah, I don't know. It didn't feel like super long to me. Like I was like as I was saying before recording, I was like more worried about this one because you can say like, yeah, this is like nine hours long. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna need like a couple of days so I don't do like this same fucking thing I always do. And it didn't feel that bad. But yeah, I remember like the first half hours getting fucking sleepy by the end. I was like, okay, <laughs> come on. I don't think that the lingering things that was left from, like, the past case uh, needed those, like, four or, like, three and a half hours mm. that they gave. I agree with that. I think that the thing about this case was, to me, I didn't think that it was badly paced mm. itself, especially compared with Investigations 1, but I thought two things. I thought, basically, yeah, the first four hours should have been cut down to two, but then I think actually what they should have done is just combined it with the last case and cut out a lot of what was in the last case and then just made that whole thing like a lot more condensed. Yeah. And then truly the last four hours where they just have a whole new plot just made the game worse overall. It just made it more convoluted. They should have just cut that whole thing, in my opinion. It's funny you say that because it's like those four hours were like the bit that grabbed me the most. In like pretty well, much all of investigations. Okay, well then, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. That's my opinion. I mean, not not that it's wrong, but like I think it's very interesting that we have different opinions on that. So I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about it now. It, it really took like going through like two games of investigations to have like two episodes in which we didn't agree over <laughs> like the the general I case. I feel like we've 
our opinions have been drifting apart at times and this mm-hmm. is the first one where I'm like oh wow like you like I truly thought that last four hours was bad and you thought it was good so that's very fun <laughs> we do have to talk about the first four hours first I think otherwise this is not gonna make any sense okay uh so yes we have John Marsh who we saw in the he was just looking at the exhibits at the same time in the third case he was looking at the exhibits in the Winter Palace um at the same time as we got that little easter egg with the delights and I didn't mention it at the time because obviously you don't recognize him at that point so it's like you know why would you um but that was kind of fun and then at the beginning of the last case which I also didn't mention he like storms out of the grand tower right at the beginning of the case and Penny runs after him which I forgot to mention and I thought it was so funny because when we talked about Penny way back in Ace Ace 21 I was like God, I hope she comes back. And I had like the vaguest memory about it and I couldn't remember what it was, but we finally reached it. She doesn't really do much in this case. But still, no, I yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was happy to see her. And yeah, I think I think having her and John Marsh appear in the last case is really kind of fun because this case basically follows directly on from it. It's not even like, oh, the next day this happened. It's literally like they leave the building and that's like the first mm-hmm. thing that happens, which is like, we talked about how investigations one, things follow on from each other really, really quickly. And it's like, Edward's no good, very bad three days. But this one like, doesn't even give you that like, oh, something new happened the next day. It's literally like, Edgeworth is still in the middle of like losing his badge <laughs> and shit. <Yeah. laughs> which is why I said like, this just feels like a sequel. or not even a sequel, but it feels like a part of the last case that they could have just straight onto it yeah and then uh so obviously we start to learn about the president and like lang's backstory to do with the president and there is a sad version of lang's theme which is so funny to me i could i cannot tell you how much i laughed when it started playing <laughs> i don't understand why it exists because lang's theme is so like bombastic and like I mean, I get that it's being like, oh, Lang's really, like, fallen and, like, is talking about how his family fell in parallel 12 years ago and stuff, which is, like, a really big theme of this case. Like, it definitely pulls on stuff from all of Investigations too, basically about fathers and sons, but it's more broadly about, like, impacts of older generations on younger generations, I guess. So I understand why they did it, but they should have given him, like, a different theme that was sort of slower and sadder instead of making his theme slow and sad because it just doesn't work. I mean, it's just, you know, he's on his Shani Cash era. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. The other thing about it is that John Marsh has his own theme and it, I can only describe it as sounding like a baby version of Lang's original theme. I don't understand <laughs> why they did that because it's not like they have anything in common. Like John Marsh, we haven't really talked about this, but John Marsh is a film star who's like, he's like a 13 year old, but the joke is that he looks really, really young. And yeah, he's like a child film star and they're shooting a film like on the lot outside the tower. And that's where the president died. So obviously he like becomes wrapped up in that. Although later on we learn more stuff about him, which just, they just pile a lot of things onto this kid that we've only just met, I guess is what I'm going to say, but we will get to that. Mm. Yeah, so after this kind of introduction, we see that there's a trial going on for Patricia Rowland, who was the prison warden from the second case and the trial was supposed to be with Sebastian as the prosecutor and Jill Crane who was the victim from the last case as the defense attorney now obviously Jill can't do that but we also learned that Sebastian's gone missing so it ends up being a trial between Francisca and Ray Shields with them standing in basically but also all the evidence has gone missing and 
Courtney is the judge and she's just like, well, I guess we'll have to let Patricia go. To which I forgot the plot of this game and was like, hang on a minute, wasn't she supposed to be on our side now? But it turns out that she was being blackmailed by Blaze the Best because mm. he had kidnapped her son, who it turns out is John Marsh, which would have been a much more eventful <laughs> reveal if we hadn't only met John Marsh five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I am obsessed with your note on this part. So it's about the it's about Courtney and John, and you wrote, you can tell Edgeworth is very gay because it was easy to, de- to deduce that John was her son from like the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is so true. And it's especially <laughs> funny because Edgeworth is like, I mean, he always is, but it feels like especially in this case, he's so much like, we will simply go ahead with facts and logic and we can figure everything out so well by like my like logical skills. And then he doesn't understand like mothers. <laughs> 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 Although the other thing about this is, so of course I immediately looked up how old Courtney is, and mm. I, I remembered that Courtney turns out to be John's adoptive mother, and now that does end up being important to the story in ways that we will probably get to. But at this point, all I remembered is like, I looked it up and she's 26, and John is 13, and it really felt to me like they had to make her his adoptive mother because they wanted to make her 26 and obviously therefore it couldn't be biologically. And that ends up not being true. I I appreciate this, but also they could have just made her 36. (laughs) Like this goes back to what we were talking about in one of the other cases where it's just like, why is everyone in this game so young and they think that you die when you're 40? Like it's just weird. Especially Courtney, because I feel like she's always been in this and, you know, you could critique this as well, but I feel like she's always been kind of a motherly character, um, especially mm-hmm. with Sebastian. And again, it just makes more sense if she's older. <laughs> like, she's so, like, she's in this position of power. She has, like, a well-established career. Like, how do you even become a judge at 26? I know we, <laughs> like, we have this whole story in this about how, like, you can become a lawyer really young. <laughs> I guess she must have. But, like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, as you were saying in your notes, like, just fucking add, like, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't even think uh, of, like, her being, like, 26, so... Yeah, she definitely comes across as, like, a character in her mid-30s, except for the fact that she has, like, a baby face, which all women in Ace Attorney do, so it's very hard to place it. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it turns out that there's good reasons for... Well... No, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, they could have done the whole story with it just being Courtney being the mother. Like, the actual mother who died in the story doesn't actually do anything. Like, it definitely would have been figured out, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that bit was like, I don't know, like, it didn't add much. Right, like, if they wanted to simplify that story, which they should have, because it was too long, they should have just made it Courtney. But then they would have had to make her not in her 20s, I guess. (laughs) Fuck. What if we add two more hours to this case? No, but, sir, we can just, like, increase courage. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, there's some fun additional characters added to this. Like, uh, Will Power shows back up because, <laughs> you know, we're talking about the film industry and, like, I don't know, he doesn't do anything. He's just fun to have around. And then Nicole and Lotta are both here, which is really, really fun, especially for us because we get to take lots of screenshots of people talking about journalists. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, they do stuff for the plot, which is nice. And 
I will say, like, now that I'm thinking about it, now that we've been talking about it, I feel like Nicole and Lotta both, like, have the most agency of women in this case and in this game in general because they're just doing their own shit and it turns out to be useful to the case. Whereas everyone else is, like, having a real bad time. (laughs) (laughs) So, actually, they're, they're very fun characters to have around and, like, it's kind of that classic trope of, like, having two, just two guys, like, two comic relief guys. I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, they were. I wish we would have seen like more of Nicole. I have no idea if she comes back. Hopefully, at some point. But yeah, I don't know. It feels like she had like like a lot more potential. I think for for not being just like either a comic relief or just like oh yeah, I have a recording of this. And let me help with the plot. <laughs> yeah, she's a really fun character. I was just looking at my notes and it just says death, and I completely forgot <laughs> what that was for. But then I remembered, so it's fine. So while we're trying to track down John, who's been kidnapped, we go to Blaze the Best House because we think he's there for some reason. I can't remember what that's all about. But anyway, at Blaze the Best House, we find a lot of different shit, but one of them is that he has a pair of gloves that just say death on the fingers, oh, which yeah. is extremely funny. Uh, and ends up being a clue, but also it's just funny by itself because they could have made it say anything. Um, I wonder what the whether that's a translation or something. Anyway, then it turns out that Blaze kidnapped his own son, (laughs) which turned out to be an accident on the part of the people who did it for him, I guess. But, like, this part is so... Like, the whole set plotline in this was the part that really hit for me and was why I liked the first half a lot more than the second half. We already talked about how the previous case was, like, just constantly, like, Seb getting beaten up. (laughs) Now, Now physically being beaten up. And, like, the growth that he goes through in this case um which is like the focus basically after this introduction until the midpoint i it really worked for me like it was very yeah like i almost feel like it was straightforward like sebastian's Mm. plotline through this whole case through this whole game is he turns up he's super obnoxious he's one of those guys who you know gets everything based on privilege of his family like all nepotism and stuff but also his dad fucking sucks and then he learns that and then he grows from that and he ends up like saying that he wants to do stuff on his own and it turns out that he like can grow as a person and that just feels like such a straightforward arc they didn't complicate it too much it's a bit cheesy almost, but it works in its cheesiness. And I wish there was more of that because it really worked for me. And I feel like they look at that with a lot of other stuff and they're like, no, we need to make it really in-depth and complicated. And in doing so, they actually end up deleting it. That's how I feel anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like, yeah, I don't know, like that kind of like redemption was earned. And that's, yeah, it's kind of rare to see <laughs> in these two fucking games. <laughs> oh, like them, like going back and stuff. Like, I don't know, for example, if this had happened in, like, the second case, and then all of a sudden, like, he's an asshole again, or something like that, I would have been, like, like, it, w- it wouldn't have surprised me. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. I, I sympathize with, like, him. Like, with, with a character that has been, like, kind of like a prick until, like, the previous <laughs> case, where it's like, oh, no, okay, like, he has, like, an awful father, and, yeah. I like, like, turn of, like, or, like, character development for him. It's something that Ace Attorney has always done, right? Like, in all three of the trilogy games, there's a prosecutor who goes through, like, a shift in... Like, they go through their own character arc. So, obviously, in Ace Attorney 1, it's, like, Edgeworth, and we're kind of still seeing that, especially in Investigations 2. And I feel like they're always trying to recreate that since uh, since Ace Attorney 1, because 
it worked so well in that game. Like everyone's favorite part of that game is Edgeworth, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And they're always trying to recreate that. And I feel like we've talked before about how with Fran, they didn't give her enough attention and like they showed it turned out that she was insecure but they didn't like give her anything after that including in investigations which is annoying and then obviously they did better with Godo it was a different arc so it wasn't like oh this is like you know we know what happened with Godo like we talked before about how it works really well when you're playing it and then maybe when you go back and think about it it doesn't really work so well (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it definitely hits when you're playing it but you know it's just it's got a different vibe to it or it's not it's not got a different vibe to it it's got a similar thing where they were like we want to introduce the prosecutor at first he's your rival but then it gets more complicated but we're taking it in a slightly different direction than we have in the previous two and then in investigations one i don't think they really had this and i think it was kind of missing from it so then in investigations two like i feel like they were like okay how do we like how do we pull this off again because it has to be different every time but it is a theme that keeps coming up again and again. And so I think the way that they did it, where it mirrors Edgeworth in a very uh, interesting way, especially because we are focusing on that growth for Edgeworth as well. And it shows how Edgeworth has grown because he then gets to help Sebastian through this. And to a degree, it happens with Fran as well, which we talked about last episode, and I think we're going to talk about again later. But it feels like they took what happened with Fran, like what Fran's storyline was in ace attorney 2 and then like finished it instead of just being like this is someone who thinks they're perfect but actually is using that to cover up insecurity then they actually went a step further and were like okay well what caused this insecurity like what caused this person to be really obnoxious and how can they push back against that and like have not a full resolution because that's not how character development works but like show that they are on a new path now and i feel like they really pulled that off a lot better than Fran's character arc did, to be honest. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that is really interesting because through this whole case, I slowly thought more and more that the writers of this game loved Ace Attorney 2. Like, I'm sure they picked up so (laughs) many things from it. And I really feel like they were like, let's do Fran, but better this time. Yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about it like more later for sure, but I didn't feel like there was like any growth for Fran mm. at the end of this game either. No. Which is a shame. Because it's like, I don't know. It felt like the same character that we saw in like the first Investigations game. And she wasn't like much around either. No, it was not really. Weird. Ace Tony writers don't know what to do with Francisca. Pretty standard stuff at this point. But yeah, to go back to Seb, like, this whole arc starts, not, not his whole arc, but in this specifically, starts with Edgeworth doing therapy logic checks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny like remember how when logic chess first came up in investigations one you were like okay i guess this is self-indulgent this is the peak of it and like i'm so glad it closed out that way where they were like okay edgeworth is gonna do logic chess against sebastian but like it's completely gonna be trying to give sebastian some self-confidence um edgeworth says i've never held back against anybody before but he does in this case which is the funniest piece of character development i've ever seen in my goddamn (laughs) life and then when you start the logic chess one of the first like the first thing you can say to him like one of the first it's the first choice but obviously there's a choice of what you can say but you can say to him, like, oh, you're such a failure or something like that. It's definitely the word failure. And you just lose instantly. It's so, f- like, this whole <laughs> moment is so fucking funny to me. And it's, I re- like, again, I this Sebastian thing was definitely the best part of uh, Investigations 2 to me. Well, that and Edgeworth, 
the whole of the Edgeworth stuff, which is a lot, so that's fine. But I just love the fact that it, it manages to be so funny and so moving at the same time. Like, that's Ace Turney at its best. And like, okay, they pulled this one off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because when I was watching it, I was feeling kind of bad because it was just like, Sebastian has just gone through like a really, really rough uh, situation. And like the first thing, like, I, I get it now, like why it happened like so suddenly. Uh, but I was when I was watching, it was like, give the guy some rest. Like, don't... <laughs> because because he's like... I mean, it's constantly like, oh, no, you're, you're going to, like, break him. Like, if, if you push yeah. him, like, too hard. It's like, of course. Like, fucking just g- give him, like, 10 minutes. So I was feeling, like, kind of bad for him. But now I get, like, why it happened. And it's... I mean, it's... I, I wouldn't have encouraged it in the way that that Edgeworth did, maybe, uh, but it's, I, I get it. Yeah, like, realistically, don't do this, but no, I, <laughs> it really, oh God, it really worked for me. Like, I have, like, four or five lines in where I'm just screaming about parts of this one <laughs> lodging chairs. The thing, I think the thing that got me about it was, like, the way that Edgeworth ends up getting through to him is by Sebastian has had this habit of using the wrong words like um, words that sound similar but have different meanings and Edgeworth like most of the successful logic chess moves as it were are telling him when he's saying stuff wrong and he like really appreciates it and like he's like oh no one has ever actually corrected me before because everyone's always just like either people just let him be wrong because like oh he's like Blaze the best kid like we just don't correct him or I'm thinking about like Courtney wouldn't have corrected him because like she was doing it in like a manipulative way and like I don't know like I I just thought like the fact that he like really responds well to like actually learning things shows he's not like it could have been really easy for Sebastian obviously okay he's a fictional character I do appreciate this but in the real world it would have been so easy for Sebastian to just be like no to like refuse to listen when people tell him he's wrong right whereas Mm -hmm. actually he really wants to improve what he hasn't learned because he's been coasting this far and like ah it just works it just really works for me (laughs) yeah anyway at the end he runs away and Edra says it seems that if there's one thing he's the best at it's running away and I'm like Hey, remember when you faked your death for a year, motherfucker? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good, what a good part of this case. <laughs> yeah. So then we have a hard turn into the other part of the case where the killer calls again and talks about how. Uh, he was, like, given a false target of killing the president by the mastermind, and that's why he wants Edgeworth to find the mastermind, because then he can do his thing where he wants justice, or he 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 doesn't like being manipulated, so he does justice in his own way, which I think is fun. And he's also like, by the way, don't get escaped, so there are two assassins just hanging out, doing stuff. <laughs> Sorry, the coolest assassins, not just some <laughs> assassins. Yeah. And then after that, the mastermind calls Edgeworth and uh, says that he was the one who ordered Blaze de Best to kill Jill Crane. And like, this was the point where I was just like, uh, like, we already knew there's a mastermind, right? Mm. So it's not like this is new information. But I remember talking last time about like, how undermining it is when 
they say in the last case, oh, it was Blaze that forged evidence, not Manfred. And it's like, why the fuck would you say that? Like, that just undermines the whole intensity of, like, the whole of the last, uh, basically, of Ace Teddy 1 and 2. But then they're like, oh yeah, also, like, Blaze wasn't really even in charge either. It was some other guy who, like, had, you know, was puppeting the strings and stuff. And I just think simpler would have worked better here. But I, I appreciate that you disagree with me, so... You know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> no, I mean, no, 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 no. It's like, I like one specific part. I don't know how, how to say <laughs> it. But this bit, I, I was just like, I think that's that's about the time where, where I was like sharing TikToks with you. <laughs> like, first of all, like, wasn't Blaze, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm clearly wrong. <laughs> wasn't Blaze like fucking like in prison or like soon to be in prison or something like that? Like why was he in like the, the, as a defendant or as a witness or something like that during the trial? I was like, yeah. did, didn't we just go through like a whole case <laughs> for you and now you're here again? Now that I'm thinking about it, I remember them bringing that up like, oh, shouldn't Blaze be under arrest by now? And then... Right? I don't remember how that's resolved, so I'm guessing, given that you also don't remember, it's just not, or at least it's confusing about it, so... Uh-oh. Like, I was just, like, looking at it and being like, didn't... Motherfucker, didn't I just watch, like, eight hours of, like, your story? Like, you're, you're done. Like, let's just fucking... You, ha- you had your time already. There was a point earlier on in this case where I thought that this case had said, oh, it wasn't actually Blaze who killed Jill. It was the mastermind who killed Jill, like, as mm. indirectly. And I was like, oh, shit, I fucked that up. I need to write that as a note so that I can correct myself because I definitely said it was Blaze in the last, like, the last episode of this podcast. And then I came back to it. I watched some more of the case and then I was like, oh, no, they are saying it was him. And I had to look it up on the wiki to find out what actually happened in the last case case fuck that's not good that's no. not a good sign and i'll admit that like i've had a long week i'm tired but like so of people who are playing this game like you can't make people confused about who did an actual murder like that it's just not gonna work out yeah it's the basis of your whole game like a murder happens <laughs> and then we go and investigate and we have a trial and, uh, uh yeah and like going back to what I was saying about the writer of this case loved a study too. I mean, I had forgotten when I said that and when I wrote that in my notes later on. Like, of course, one of the big things about that is the killer is back, right? Like that's an iconic character from Ace Study too. Mm-hmm. But then also when the mastermind is talking over the phone, there's like this loud boom sound and they use that to like track down where he might be. And I'm like, that's just the meow from uh, Ace Study <laughs> uh, from 2-4. But like, you can't, it's, you can't just redo it, but with something worse. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even talk about that. Um... There's, there's like three or four other examples that I wrote down later, so I'm sure we'll get to them. <laughs> um, there's a really good moment then when they're like, okay, let's look for where John might be. And I can't remember who says it. I think it's Gumshoe comes and like has extra evidence and stuff. And they're like, oh, he must have been kidnapped from over here. And they're like, let's look for clues. And it's just the most obvious milk carton in the world, which like he's been carrying this whole time. And I'm like, you couldn't have seen this earlier? Like, really? Um, and obviously that's like... I'm not trying to, like, cinema since this or anything, but, like, the problem with it more broadly is, like, through this whole case, they're constantly just discovering new evidence that, like, suddenly changes the case, Mm. which they should have either known earlier or, like, it's just, like, so contrived that it shows up at that point. And we've talked about this before, but, like, they do that in the trilogy, but it all comes together well enough that it doesn't matter. Whereas in this one, it's, like, 
I don't know, like, the pacing and, like, the way that these, like, deus ex machina just appear all the time is, like, <laughs> it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care much for, like, some of the details that appear. Yeah. Because, again, they also go back on stuff that I also didn't care about um, <laughs> in previous cases, or I was just, like, fucking bored. <laughs> And I was just, like, not paying too much attention to them. And it's like, oh, yeah, this character. But it wasn't this character. It was this character. Okay, why do I care again? And that happened a lot in that later half. Yeah. Well, we're getting into that later half because the end, basically, of this first half that I really liked was when we returned to the trial. Uh, Edgeworth shows up. Basically, he's, like, delaying more so that they can go and rescue John so that Courtney can, like, not be blackmailed. And... The first thing that happens is that Edgeworth, quote, barges onto Francisca's prosecutor's desk and she gets annoyed. And I'm like, the whole of Trials and Tribulations was Francisca, like, doing a fake trial and pretending she didn't know that Edgeworth was a prosecutor so that he could play a defense attorney for, like, this. And also, now that I'm thinking about it, it was also the whole of, like, she helped out a ton in 2-4, which this whole case is, like, kind of a mirror of. So, like... Yeah, again, it just felt like a step backwards for Francisca, where her character development has, like, regressed to this, like, thing that when she's very first introduced, which we know is not, like, what Fran is actually like. Mm. And it would have been a great opportunity. I mean, we've had this a little bit before, but it would have been a great opportunity for Edra to become Francisca's weird little girl. (laughs) But no, she had to be annoyed about it. And then, like, she just, like, grumbles for, like, two lines and then just doesn't say anything. And it's like, use Francisca better, IMO. Yeah, where is her own spin-off? Please. Mm-hmm. Um, Sebastian shows up, and I feel a little bit vindicated, <laughs> because last episode I made the comment that people who show up on the left side of the screen are on Edgeworth's side, and people <laughs> who show up on the right side of the screen were on Blazer's side, and in this one, Sebastian's sprite is flipped for the first time, and it doesn't even work very well, because he has, like, specific uh, mannerisms, like, he's always waving around this conductor's baton, and so suddenly it's in the wrong hand. <laughs> But it works really well thematically and I'm really happy that I picked up on yeah. it with Courtney last time because then I was like, oh, it doesn't really happen with the Doctor so I guess maybe it, maybe it's not really a thing. But the Sebastian one was absolutely real um, and they also introduced a new song for him which kind of sounds um, weirdly <laughs> mask-to-masky which I guess, again, is another Ace Study Investigations... Uh, sorry, Ace Study 2 thing. The writers of this case were really, really just like, let's pull everything from that case. Um, and then Sebastian... Sebastian, like, has this whole moment where he's like, I will argue against my father so that I can take a different path from him. And it's just the sort of culmination of his arc. And it really, really works Yeah, that me. new sprite that he has, where he's, like, tearing up, but, like, proud, you know? Like, with his, like, head yes. looking up. That was cool. It was really cool. And Francisca has some lines which... We've talked about this last episode and this episode where, like, she sees the parallels between her and Sebastian and she... I think she says something like, oh, yeah, it's going to be hard for him, but, like, it's going to be good for him to make his own path. Uh, I keep using that phrase because it's the phrase that the game uses, like, 65 times for all the different characters at the end. They're like, obviously, the subtitle of this game is Prosecutor's Mm. Path because it's about how Edgeworth is going to, like, forge his own path as a prosecutor. But at the end of the game, they're just like, oh, Sebastian's on his own path now and Courtney's like, I'm going to take my own path now. And, like, every single character says it and it just got (laughs) in my brain. Anyway, this Sebastian plotline hit for me. We talked about it before, but in this moment, it was really 
really good. Um, I looked up because last time we talked about whether there was any fix about Sebastian and Francisca like talking about their similarities. And there is, but there's only two and I haven't read them, but I want to and I will <laughs> report back. Because <laughs> I think there should be more. Maybe I'll write one. I feel like that would be something that I would... I don't know. Something, something about the character development of those two really is in parallel. And like I said, I think the problem is that Sebastian gets a good resolution, whereas Francisca's is always just like forgotten about mm-hmm. in the actual game itself. I would like to remedy that a little bit, I think. <laughs> I look forward to our episode dedicated solely to that in a couple of years from now. <laughs> um. So yeah, this was the high point for me. And it felt like if they had basically done this case as being about Sebastian, I think that would have been like a really good resolution to a lot of the plot points they've raised about like where the prosecutor's Mm. office is going in the future because like you know sebastian kind of represents the new generation of prosecutors right and what with the thing that happens at the end where edgeworth is like oh i think basically we need to reform the entire office which i'm sure we'll talk about when we get to it but like at least this would have been thematically a good wrap up to that uh but instead it goes off the (laughs) fucking rails in my opinion you found it engaging which i appreciate and respect but to me, it felt like they had basically wrapped up a study investigations too, and then they were like, "What if we added a whole other thing?" Yeah, they, they were probably like, "Oh yeah, we forgot about this." Well, at this point, I was literally like, "Oh shit, yeah, the president died, and we hadn't talked about it at all." Uh, I wrote, "I only care about sad sons." Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where we get into a whole other investigation about the president, which is completely as fuck. <laughs> like I, I give you that yeah well i mean i give you that insofar as like you're the one who was like investigations two is not any less convoluted than investigations one and i was like it is though but i think the thing about that is that i've only been focusing on the stuff that i care about which is basically sebastian and uh edgeworth character development <laughs> that's basically <laughs> it they introduced like this whole thing about yeah i, I i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna do my best to skip over the details while still hitting the stuff that is relevant because like you say, it's convoluted. They introduced the fact that Patricia Rowland kidnapped the president 12 years ago. Like, they're suddenly introducing this whole other past case, which becomes extremely detailed for the rest of this. But like, we already had one past case with Gregory and Ray and everything. Yeah. Which also becomes relevant, which I had completely forgotten about. But yeah, I don't know. Introducing this just didn't feel right to me. It just didn't do anything. Like, for example, we find out that John Marsh... Remember when we talked about John Marsh? Well, he's back. It's been four hours of in-game time, but you have to remember that John Marsh exists again because I'd forgotten. I guess he was kidnapped. I guess he was relevant, but like, whatever, 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 whatever. Anyway, it turns out that he was the president's son. And like, this whole game basically is about father and sons, occasionally mother and sons, occasionally fathers and daughters, but mostly sons and fathers. And so they introduced this... This final, well, actually, it's not final because there's another one coming up, but this semi-final, um, penultimate is the one I'm looking for, not semi-final, <laughs> set of parent and child, right? So it should have thematic relevance. What does it add to the story for there to be another another son of the president? And, like, they kind of get there by the end. I kind of saw where they were going with it. But because it's compressed into the second half of the very last case, mm. it, it was just like, it just felt like there, it was just like, hey, there are like 50 different father-son relationships in this case. Have fun! <laughs> in this game, I mean. But yeah. Yeah. And there's also like the double president 
on, I don't know, like the thing with also the fathers. It's like, oh, yeah, this person was my father. And I was like, no, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, now that you mention it, a lot of this case is about, like, people thinking that their father was somebody else. And, like, hmm. that's not something that's come up through the rest of this. Well, it's come up. People have known who their father was, like, as in who they were. Like, they've known their father, but then it's turned out that their father was a bad person. But that's basically only Sebastian, but still, like, I don't know. There's, like... Like I said, there's all these different things which feel like they should be thematically linked, but then it's just like, there sure is a lot of different parent-child relationships in, in the world, and a lot of them are bad, and I guess I guess it's about, like, what impact your parents can have on you, and I guess that's a good theme to explore, but, like, yeah, like I said, this one just doesn't hit, because, like, what is it actually saying about it? I guess, like I said, I kind of came up with an answer to that question by the end, but... The other thing is it doesn't feel emotionally resonant at all because like I'm definitely not invested in the president and I'm no. not invested in this kid who's just shown up in this case. Like I'm a little more invested in his and Courtney's relationship because I'm invested in Courtney who's been around for the whole game. Mm. I would be more invested in her if her character wasn't like weirdly contradictory to itself but still like there's something there. Whereas like the kid, John themselves, like I don't. I don't know him. Like, what is there to be invested in? Yeah. Speaking of the president, like, one of the things we're supposed to think is good about him is, like, he ruled over Zheng Fa for 12 years. And I'm like, actually, that's kind of bad. <laughs> like, I don't know what the political implications of this is, but they seem to really like this system of government that we don't know whether it's, like, democratic. We don't know, like, what it is about it, but pretty much no good system of government has a president for 12 years, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That might yeah. be a bold political take, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, like, how the Sing Fa, like, rules to these are, but, like, over here, that's, like, three full terms. Uh, yeah. Like, three full presidential terms. And it's like, uh, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, I think after the second one, it shouldn't be supposed to be the, the same. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, pulling this out of nowhere. Um, but, yeah, that's I don't know. It's it in seems... America, at least, so it would... Oh, okay. It wouldn't be far-fetched for it to be the same in Argentina. Yeah, that's a rabbit hole I'm not gonna get into. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, so... I don't know, like... I have another thing where I'm like, okay, this feels a little bit cinema sins to say, but then it ends up contributing, I think, to the overall weakness of uh, investigations, the whole series, is like... Okay, one of the big pieces of evidence in this is something called a lion lily, which is a, a yellow flower that is like part of the evidence of the case but also we later find out that Courtney had given it to the president and we find out that's because so at first we find out it's because it's a symbol of the bond between a parent and child and it's like okay this makes sense because it's a symbolic gift to him because Courtney looks after his child and remember that it's like Courtney and the president were never together because it was John's biological mother. But you know, it's it's symbolic in that way. It makes sense. But then they throw in there that the president also gave it to John's mother as like the first president he ever got her or something like that. And I'm like, that detail was completely unnecessary, but like they had to pile it in there. Why? Like I like there was no reason to pile it in there, but it feels like that's so emblematic of investigations in general where they're like, Oh, we're worried that this might not make enough sense, so we're gonna add like an extra detail in there, but what it actually does is end up derailing the theme. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the point where we both started losing it because I wrote, What if there were two presidents? What if you had ended this game while it was still good? <laughs> 
<laughs> I stand by that. And then you wrote, the only way this game could redeem itself is if Dogen kills everyone on the scene right now and the game ends afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was a bit exhausted by then. Yeah, Sorry. I think we both were. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no. What are we up to? Like, I'm so lost in the details of this case now. Where, like, what do you, do you want to say some shit about it? I don't know. I think, honestly, honestly, we could just go directly to, like, oh, who is a mastermind and, like, talk about it. And I can just, like, talk about what interested me from it. And then we can just, like, get to the end because I know that you're going to, like, want to, like, talk about the end. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I think we're to the point of my notes where we were talking about when I was talking about the mastermind because I wrote, uh, oh my god, I forgot it was related to the sweets case. Unfortunately, that one was also not engaging. <laughs> yeah. It is tied into every case, which I like, mm -hmm. but it's sort of tied into the least engaging parts of every case. That's my hot take. So it turns out the mastermind is, um, god, what's his fucking name? Simon, Simon Keys. Keys. See, I don't even remember his name. That's how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's tied into the jail case because obviously he was accused in that of killing Knightley. And it ties into the Swedes case because we also find out that he was Dane Gustavia's son and Knightley was Isaac Dover's son. And we hear about those two kids in that case and I don't think I mentioned them because they basically go missing at some point and everyone's kind of like, oh, we don't really know where they went. And so having them show up again here after you've basically forgotten about them, I think that part is kind of fun. But I don't know. Like I said, to me, adding this whole part of the case just added a layer of complication that made it worse overall. And maybe I'm biased on that because I just wanted it to end like on a high note with Seb or whatever, but... Yeah, yeah, for I don't sure. Know. <laughs> I did write he's a Matt on guard knockoff and I stand by that. Oh. <laughs> oh, you should see the link I left in my notes. Oh, like yeah. now I did it, click it's going to make more sense. I wasn't sure whether it was like a pun spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a link to the Google image search for the Crow movie, which is. Uh... That's yeah, it's what, just the guy, like, the makeup made me that's think what of him. he looks like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you did say talk about how the transformation was good, so do you want to talk about that? Yeah, okay, okay, so, this is, like, I was, <laughs> fuck, I was, like, trying to think <laughs> how to frame this. So, people listening to this episode don't be like, oh, he's, like, defending a, a murderer or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna play De Debbie's Advocate here for a bit. And then I was a bit mad at how the game was handling it until uh, in like the very last like 10 or 15 minutes. Like mm -hmm. Edgeworld is like, oh, but I, I mean... I totally know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is the part that I liked because I think, like again, it's like the whole like uh, Simon's like story or whatever, or like plan for revenge because it's like, oh yeah, he was like behind everything. He's so entangled in like all of these people that we went like, like finding evidence against them and like prosecuting them and whatever. And each of them is like an example of corruption and an example of like how, like again, like people in power can do whatever they want and they're like, Extend from like the very same thing that they're like manipulating, which mm -hmm. in the case is like the law, or, like the police force, or like that weird yeah. thing about being like the double of the president, or whatever. <laughs> and it's like I don't want to say they got they got what they deserve, but I think it's interesting how it all comes together in a way, at least for me. That is like okay, Simon was a kid who saw something that he wasn't supposed to see, 
and he was forced to like quote unquote interrogations from Patricia Rowland but he's like very clear about how those interrogations went and then he was like okay should I go to the police but Patricia is the police and Blaze is also like corrupt and then this and this and this and it's like yeah I mean it's not like the means justify the ends but it's like yeah I mean I kind of see why he like chose the path that he chose uh, which is fucked up, but at the same time, it's like the biggest example of you created this person, or like h- however you want to call it. Uh, like the people responsible were like super clear. It's super clear for like the, the people responsible of like, yeah, like this is what led to like all of this happening. And it was weird that the game, I mean, of course, he had like to go through like jail and like whatever, and like the, the case was like it had to be resolved in some way. But but that was getting to the point where it was like, Again, classic investigations, like, it was, like, an hour and a half long of them, like, <laughs> trying to come up with evidence. And I kind of like that he had, like, 99% of his tracks cover up. That that was fun to, like, see. But the game wasn't, at any point, was, like, okay, not in the way of he has a point, but in the way of, A, like, you know that all those people, they're involved in, like, leg to this. And I was, like, okay, if you want to wrap this up, it's fine. But you need, I needed that, like, somebody mentioning something about it. Or I would have been, like, super mad. And yeah, Edgeworth kind of, like, mentions in him. It's like, okay, like, he was a victim as well. And, like, kind of, like, just ties up with, like, what he wants to do as a prosecutor. But no, I think it was interesting how these were, like, important characters. And it wasn't just, like, when we had, like, the, the trio. Again, like, the other trio with, the, like, the Yatagaratsu. Uh, where it was like, yeah, I don't care much about this reveal this felt like more i don't know like it had like an actual structure for it that i don't know yeah i I found i found interesting in a way that it didn't happen before yeah i mean actually hearing you say that i has like softened my opinion on this so much because i'm like you know what actually this does tie in really well to some of the stuff that i've been talking about so you know what i agree with you that was pretty good (laughs) i'm I'm also talking about just one hour of the four hours that happened so it's like you know yeah. Yeah, I guess they well, I guess this wouldn't have worked for pacing, but like they could have just skipped straight from Sebastian's great moment to this, I guess. It wouldn't really have worked, but somehow. Mm. Anyway, um yeah, I wrote I honestly think Simon's argument that he didn't do shit and it was everyone else's fault is like right <laughs> is what I wrote. And like, you know, it turns out that he did actively do stuff, like he crushed the president with a yeah. With a hot air balloon. So he did kill somebody and also he did kidnap Kay. And he did kidnap John? Or was that Blaze? I've already forgotten. This is the problem. This is part of the problem anyway. But yeah, like you were saying, he points out repeatedly that he was completely failed by the system. And mm-hmm. like you said, until the very end it goes unaddressed. And then it does. And I will say, I have a lot of opinions about how it was addressed, but you're right. It is a sort of culmination of this whole thing that's come up the whole time about how like the system being completely broken will have like all these ongoing effects so you know what i did like it that way yeah i mean it was like i don't know it's like you you made this that, that was the part that i liked yeah like i i had written like oh this felt like a way of getting out of the argument they've been making this whole time about how the system was bad because they were like, oh no, it was actually just this guy manipulating it all along. But I actually take that back because they do talk about how, like, Simon only did all of this because the system was corrupt in the first place. So, 
Yeah, actually, to be fair, Simon being the mastermind here does work really well with the themes of the rest of the game. So there is some reason for it to be around. And I, so yeah, I soften my opinion on this quite strongly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the game itself even like goes back and forth on this. I think it's, I don't know who says it, but like towards the end, someone is like talking about, you know, like Edgeworth and like Kearney and me like, oh yeah, like... Isn't that what they're here for, to, like, protect people or something like that? It's like, <laughs> can't you see what just happened? Like, are you... I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it definitely goes back and forth on a turn, like you say. But I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess for me, it just... You explaining the part of that that you found it, that you were invested in, like made me think like, oh yeah, this does actually have a point in being here. I still don't think it was pulled off in the best way, but at least, you know, it kind of has a reason. I think I was focused on like some of the other themes that were coming up, which is, for example, I just talked about this a little bit earlier, but like, what is this game saying about dads? Because uh, so at the (laughs) beginning, Simon thinks that Isaac, the victim of the Sweets case, was his father, but it turns out that he's actually Dane's Gustavia's son, the murderer. And Edgeworth says literally, I hate to say this, but you're uh, like father, like son, he says. And it's like so much of this game has been about like, oh, you don't have to take the route that your father took, like with Edgeworth ending up becoming a prosecutor, like staying on as a prosecutor, with Sebastian, like with Fran a little bit, you know. Even towards the end, Kay is like, oh, maybe like what I've learned through this whole thing is that I don't necessarily need to become the Atagarasu to like follow after my father. Like maybe I want to do something else. Like it's not really ever talked about what she's going to do, but like, you know, that whole thing. But then they're also like, however, this guy's dad was a murderer. So I guess sometimes you simply are your father's son. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't know what they were going for there. And then the other thing thematically... Oh yeah, so this goes back again is, um, uh, well, this was something which kind of worked out for me. So like I said, I was trying to figure out what the fuck they were doing with John. Like, what's John's father's plot line? Like I said, so much of this case and this game overall is about, like, fathers and sons, right? So what the fuck does making the president John's father do thematically? And I guess what ends up happening with that theme is that John, you know, finds out that it was Simon who killed his dad and he is... He says, basically, there's no point in me taking revenge because, yeah, it would feel good to me, but, like, it would upset my mom. It would, it would like, cause problems for other people, basically. And so I guess it's, like, a theme about, like, no- again, like, like I said, it, a lot of this game has themes of, like, being able to step away from the path that your parents set for you, which I like, and that does come up here. So I guess that's why they made the president his father overall. And like I said earlier, I was searching for the answer to that question, and I did end up finding it. But it just wasn't very convincing because who the hell is this little kid, you know? (laughs) It was just like an extra thing on top of like those things I mentioned earlier about Edgeworth and Sebastian and Fran and Kay make more sense because we've had a lot more time with them and just they've been explored a lot better. So yeah, I will say Simon's breakdown animation slaps. I kind of feel feel bad about it. I don't know. Really? In what way? I don't know. Like I was... I got, like, too invested in, like, his, like, tragic backstory as a kid. And I was like, <laughs> I-, I don't want to see him, like, getting beat up by all these animals. True, true. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's good. It's objectively good. But, yeah, subjectively, I was like, I, I don't want to see this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, what did you think about the, the illustration that comes after it? Oh, the, you mean, like, the one with the two assassins? Yeah. Oh, I mean, as always, as always, they're great. <laughs> I think they, they could have made, like, the detail of, like, 
the the thing being like black and white, but it was it was fine. I don't know. It was it was like a cool moment. And again, I <laughs> I keep thinking that it's weird. Like I should like think more about it. But like it seems like the assassins are like the most composed characters in this game for some reason. <laughs> and it's like yeah, yeah, there are murderers like in each case, but it's the assassins actually that have like they have the rules and they follow them. And they respect each other. And it's like, the law doesn't do that. The police doesn't do that. <laughs> Prosecutors doesn't do that. Attorneys doesn't do that. It's like, <laughs> fucking just... Yeah, that's very true. So just to detail what we were talking about is like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful. No, it's fine. So Tequila shows up, obviously... Uh, now that Edgeworth tracked down the mastermind, who was his client who tricked him, he wants to kill uh, Simon Keys, And then... I, we haven't talked about this at all, but Dogen turns up, and it turns out that Dogen saved uh, Simon's life when he was, uh, you know, at the time of that sweets case, because they were trapped in, like, the cold, and they were gonna die, so Dogen saved their life, and then Simon saved Dogen's life as part of this case that was happened 12 years ago, which I'm not gonna go into, but basically, those two have a relationship, and... Now that I'm thinking about it, that's like another father-son relationship almost. Uh, but I'm not going to go into trying to figure out what that one says because, God, <laughs> it's complicated. Um, and so Dogen says, like, please don't kill him. And Dekiller is like, okay, I don't think it's a good idea to have a fight to the death with you. So I will respectfully let him live. Uh, and it is very composed and very, like, yeah, just like... It's just, it, like, like you said, I, I'm obsessed with this idea now that, like, they're the only people who have their shit together. <laughs> That's yeah. not what you said, but basically. It's basically that, yeah, 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 yeah. So did you feel that they, they did to kill a justice in the end? Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, like, we, we already had, like, one case in which he was, like, super involved, in a way. And, like, you could argue that we had, like, two of them. So, yeah, he being, like, more in the background for this... Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I'm not disappointed, thankfully. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then we sort of just have the ending wrap-up part, unless you have anything else to mention on sort of Simon and that whole thing. Mm, no. Okay, so, uh, basically we just have, like, a recap with all the characters, and like I mentioned earlier, they're all like, I'm gonna go on my own path. And this goes into what you mentioned, where Edgeworth says... Well, okay, let me let me start with something gay and then let me get into the, the, more, <laughs> the more thematic thing. Edgeworth talks about a certain man talking about, you know, what a prosecutor should be or, like, what the law should be and stuff. I can't believe Felix didn't show up at all. There was, a, there was an Easter egg in this case. Did you see him in this case? I mean, we never get to see him. There is an Easter egg in this case where if you examine like a certain part it's when you're doing the investigation at the movie lot thing if you examine a certain thing edgeworth is standing behind like a tall fence but the camera pans up and you can see that behind the fence phoenix and maya are like walking on the street but edgeworth no! Oh, it's just like an Easter egg, like nothing happens, but it's very funny. However, why the fuck was Phoenix not in this case in general? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't do that, because there are parts of this where, like, the stuff Edgeworth is saying genuinely would make no sense if you haven't played it. Phoenix, right? So at that point, just bring the man in and be like, here he is. Just say like, oh, sorry, we were busy doing something else, but now we're here and I'm glad that we can like talk about what it means for you to be a prosecutor or whatever the fuck. Like, come on, he should have been in this case a little bit. <laughs> yeah, even in that weird like flashback, or at least like in a trial or whatever, and the camera yeah. like 
moves to like his side. I mean, it isn't like his <laughs> yeah. side. It's like in an opposite way. And it just cuts off. Like, we don't see him. It's like, why? Were you like, I don't know. Didn't you have like the permission to use his pride I, or something? It does genuinely feel like that. Um, I will say I know there's a lot of fan fiction uh, which does what we're talking about here where like, it's like post-investigations where Edrith talks it out with Phoenix at least. Uh, or I think there's some rewrites where they put Phoenix in it because they're like, why would Phoenix not be in this game? <laughs> <laughs> which I support. Anyway, to return to Edgeworth's sort of wrapping up here. Like you said, Edgeworth says, oh, Simon was actually a victim of this situation too. And it rules that he says that, right? And he's like, basically, I'm going to stay on as a prosecutor to basically reform the whole system. <laughs> and I... Look, we've talked, I've talked <laughs> in every single episode of this season about how the writers just couldn't pull off what they were trying to do. And I get that. It's very difficult. Like, they're not making a radical game about prison abolition. I understand. But if you admit that Simon was a victim, and then you're also like, guess he's going to the horrible prison now, it's not satisfying. Like, yeah, okay, maybe he's motivated Edward to reform the system, which sure feels fucking impossible given what we know about like the PIC and like how much corruption is in the prosecutor's office and not even the prosecutor's office but just like the law in general it just feels so far-fetched that like it just doesn't feel satisfying at all yeah yeah I mean if if I'm completely honest like Edgeworth like for final speech or monologue or whatever didn't do anything for me and like currently leaning on on that yeah the goddess of law is sacred or whatever <laughs> I was like, what? In which direction are they going to spin this? I don't know. It was weird. There's a moment where he's talking to Courtney. And Courtney is like, I feel bad because I let my emotions get the better of me. And she's talking about the fact that, like, John was kidnapped. And I understand at that point, Edgeworth being like, there was nothing you could do in that situation. Like, you did your best and it worked out well in the end. I think that's a fine thing to say. But what he actually says is, like, this is not a direct quote, but he says something like, oh, the judge that I think is the best always lets his feelings get the better of him in the case and he always like doesn't know what decision to make but he he ends up making the right decision in the end and i'm like is he talking about the judge you know like the judge because we know for a fact that that guy has not made the right decision many times like so many times what the fuck are you talking about edgeworth like if that is you're stated like, oh, every judge should be like the judge from Ace Attorney. That's the reform that you're going for. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, what the f- like that undermined it so much for me. Like, his ending speech worked for me in, you know, if I'm taking out real world politics, which obviously you can't do, but like, if I'm just treating it as its own thing, and if I'm just treating it as like a hopeful sort of ending for Edgeworth, where he's like, yeah, I think that there is a way to reform this system. I don't know. It it doesn't work great for me, but it works okay within the limits of what I expect Ace Attorney to do. And then it was so undermined by him being like, the judge, that's our peak of what we are trying to achieve here. Because it's like, <laughs> no! <laughs> Oh, um, and then we get into the credits, which turns out were 20 minutes long. I didn't remember this, but you messaged me and were like, are you serious? There's 20 minutes left of this? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, it seemed weird to me. And then, yeah, it happened. Some, most of the credits 
did not work for me. Um, <laughs> they have a whole thing where they're like, you know, they show Masters visiting Kate in the prison and he gets to make desserts for all the people in the prison now. And I'm like, great. Is the prison good? No. <laughs> did you give him like a ton of compensation for imprisoning him for like 15 years? No? Okay. But he makes desserts now, so it's fine. Hmm. Didn't love that. Uh, I don't remember what Fran said, but I wrote, it's cute, but it doesn't really make any sense. So that checks out for like what Fran does in general, I think. Yeah. I think she was talking about Seb. I think she was like, oh yeah. Yeah. She was like, he's going to find that like going a different path from his father is like tricky or whatever. And I'm like, the problem is that you haven't done that. Like you haven't actually, like, (laughs) it's this thing they always do with Fran where they like say that she is doing something different from Manfred and then kind of don't show it like okay she doesn't forge evidence and stuff but she is always talking about like winning every case and i'm like well isn't the whole point that like prosecutors can't win every case now like isn't that the world we're trying to create i don't know they have a nice k epilogue like we mentioned this earlier but she's like i don't necessarily need to be the great thief i don't need to follow my father's footsteps but i still kind of am motivated by that same idea so i think that's kind of cute she deserves her own spinoff yeah honestly and then we have like a an Edgeworth and Gumshoe conversation to like close things out, which is really interesting because I feel like Gumshoe had like an arc in this that was mostly lost beneath the bloat and stuff. But he's like so dedicated to Edgeworth's new path, um, which I think is really fun because it shows that like Edgeworth is not the only person who's like dedicated to this thing. And it's nice to have Gumshoe kind of on the side, I guess. And uh, we have like this ending joke where Edgeworth says that Gumshoe should look forward to his next salary uh, assessment as opposed to every other time they've talked where he's like, your salary's getting cut. And I feel like having <laughs> that be the ending of Edgeworth's character arc here is very, very fun uh, yeah. and like lighthearted and cute. <laughs> I'm just reading over your note, like the second note after that, which is very funny. <laughs> Uh, Gumshoe says, I'll devote my body and soul to following after you, Mr. Edgeworth, which is a little bit gay. (laughs) And then we just have a final ending illustration, which I've seen a lot of times, but it does kind of hit at the end of this, I feel like, where it has Edgeworth on one side and Gregory on the other side and, you know, the prosecutor's badge on Edgeworth's side and the defense attorney's badge on Gregory's side. And like, okay, we've talked about how it's a very sort of naive thing that Edgeworth is doing, but it's kind of cute that he's, that's always been his like philosophy is like balancing between those two things. And I don't know, it was cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I saw the thumbnail a bunch of times uh, and it's still like kind of hit after, afterwards. So yeah, it's, it's a good illustration. So yeah, overall, uh, I did enjoy that case. I think especially after like, coming around on that on that Simon Keyes plotline, uh, it turned out to be a pretty good ending to me, I think. What do you think? I, for one, I'm glad that we're over. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it's funny because I said that and I saw you in real time how you close both of our notes. <laughs> I'm done with the notes. I'm closing them out. I'm freeing up my brain space so that we can move into Apollo Justice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like this case as messy as it was in terms of, like, structure and plot lines that I didn't care about uh, and details that I didn't care about either. I liked it. I think it was, like, the one that engaged me the most, which I'm glad because it was the last one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm curious to see, and I'm probably going to be disappointed to see how <laughs> they tackle, like... They keep on talking, like, the law and all the stuff in, like, other games. Uh, because now we're going, I think, as you mentioned, 
Like we're going to the well, I know for sure that one of the games take place like afterwards all of this. I'm not sure about the other two. Where where is the Apollo Chelsea's trilogy? Uh in terms of like <laughs> chronological order. Let's start with that, I think. Chronologically it comes afterwards, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, um, just ignore that. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's a good question. Oh, so like yeah, it was like different in terms of like release then. Yeah, so Investigations came out after Apollo Justice, mm. but yes, it takes place before it because it's basically directly following on from the trilogy, especially this this game <laughs> in terms of Edward's character development. The stakes are high then. Yeah, so yeah, new new protagonist, new... I won't say anything else. There's other new things. Uh... In <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to it. I... Oh, I really don't want to say too much. I will. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have fun using my Nintendo 3DS for the first time in years. <laughs> also, and you know, actually playing the game again, which I think yeah. probably contributed to me being like a squid in the couch whenever I watch like episodes of this. So you won't be able to send me TikToks at the same time. How will you survive? We'll see. It depends on the game, not on me. So. <laughs> I think the pacing is better. That's all I'm going to say. <sighs> it better fucking be. Good news. The first case is only two and a half hours long, so it's going to feel like a breeze. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so happy. So, so happy. I'm kind of curious about the rest, because I feel like there's some long cases, but, um, you know, we'll get to those when we get to them. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well... Thank you so much for going through this journey with me, Diego. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't the Ace Tony trilogy, but it was something else, and I had a good time. <laughs> you know, honestly, yeah, it's like I don't regret like playing them and like going through them in detail with you and like doing the episodes and such. It's not like I'm here, like, oh, I'm glad that it's over. Like, I'm glad that it's over <laughs> in one end, but I'm glad that it happened. That's that's the, the closing thought, maybe. Good. Perfect. Well, season six of this podcast will begin in two weeks with Apollo Justice. Turnabout Trump. Very, uh, named the age badly. <laughs> oh, is that the name? Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's not related to the uh, US president. <laughs> Thank God. That would have been hell. Uh, anyway, uh, we will start there in two weeks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JMCostello, and you can find the show at Breakdown AO. And you can find me on co-host and Mastodon at, I mean, I don't know, like, I was thinking about this before recording, you know like, yeah. is there gonna be a Twitter by the time this episode goes live? This podcast is coming out in three weeks, I think, which is a tight turnaround for us, we're usually longer than that head, but hey, if Twitter doesn't exist, find me on this podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, it's also easy, because if you Google, like, either of our names, like, separately, for some reason, Google shows the other person <laughs> as well. I don't know if it works both ways. I think it might only work if you Google me. <laughs> and I don't oh, know okay, why this yeah, is. Yeah. Start with it Shay might work first. both ways. <laughs> Let's see what happens if I Google Diego <laughs> right now. I see your tweet from, from earlier where it's a screenshot of our DM. That's a good start. <laughs> Um, no, this is all you, except that in the video, uh, sorry, in the image section, there's like three pictures of you, and then there's one, two, three, four, five pictures of other people. They're not even the same person. <laughs> oh, yeah, th that's why, I mean, this is like a super aside thing. 
for 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 the listeners at home, this is like a bonus track. I don't know, like an after hour thing. Uh, but this is the reason why I've been like so adamant about people like using my full name, so like Diego Nicolás Arwesin, as opposed to like the other way show because there aren't that many Diego Nicolás Arwesin shows, so I can rank better. Yeah, <laughs> basically. So yeah, that's that's the main reason. That makes a lot of sense. You know. Under the suggested searches, the first one is Diego Nicolás, so that makes sense. Then it says healthy aging <laughs> oh. and Northeastern North University. So wow. that's what those other Diegos are up to, I guess. Okay. And I'm the game journalist. That's so funny. That's how you can find Diego online, I guess. <laughs> if Twitch is gone. Ah, uh, okay. Let's talk about the pun. Mm-hmm. I also had a convoluted process coming out with a pun. Yeah, I think I had the right one. I'm seeing like my weird notes that I left for myself to remind <laughs> me of my ideas. And some of them don't make any much sense. But I was like, I was thinking about Tame, Tame Impala, you know, the band. Uh, because of like Simon being like an animal tamer. And that didn't work. <laughs> and then Master of Puppets seemed like just like a lazy one. <laughs> I fought the law and the law one also seemed like a lazy one. Kings Kings of Lion instead of like Leon also seemed like a lazy one. So maybe I just go with like Sins of a Father. But the thing about Sins of a Father is like made a lot of good arguments why that doesn't make much sense. So you know what? See you in two weeks for Apologizes. Bye. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> good ending, very good. <laughs> it has the energy of investigations of like being. I yeah, don't know. Just giving up. <laughs> just throwing <laughs> out 50 ideas and then it not being yeah. any of them. Yeah. <laughs>